From the KBIA Newsroom in Columbia, I'm Sarah Shariari. The dialogue over race continues at the University of Missouri, following a tumultuous semester in which ongoing student protests resulted in the resignation of former University of Missouri System President Tim Wolf. That started a domino effect of numerous other university leaders leaving or being pushed out. Those that remain now need to figure out, where do they go from here? In the final installment of our series, Mizzou at a Crossroads, KBIA's Ryan Famuliner tells us about the challenges these university leaders face and their plans so far to address the elephant in the room. Every year around Martin Luther King Day, the city of Columbia holds an event. It calls the Columbia Values Diversity Celebration. This year, there are more than a thousand people here from organizations throughout the city. Community leaders chat with faith leaders from black churches and leaders of other organizations. Kids are here on a field trip. It's a melting pot and everyone is smiling. Former University of Missouri Chancellor Brady Deaton is one of those smiling faces. Every year that I come, there's been this very inspiring sense of togetherness, inclusiveness. Uh, we're going to tackle these issues together. And I think that it's an earmark of the Columbia community, one of the highlights of the community. I think if we could bottle this and sell it, we would uh, drive Columbia to the top of the heap, which is where I see it anyway. There's music, an award ceremony, all that. But when we get to the keynote speaker, the tone of the event quickly changes. Can I testify for a minute? I'm going to, you might as well give it to me. <laughs> Living in and facing up to the facts of Ferguson is enough to stress you out. Reverend Starsky Wilson is from St. Louis. He's co-chair of the Ferguson Commission, which was created by Governor Jay Nixon last year in the wake of the unrest in Ferguson, Missouri. He doesn't hesitate to connect the issues there to the issues here. We all live in Ferguson. When students have to risk their lives by standing in front of the car of one who is called to serve them, when there has to be organized resistance to keep and risking of scholarship to lift the foot of oppression off the necks of those who pay taxes to support the institution that is their call to educate them, we all live in Ferguson. He's not speaking into a void. 20 feet away is a table full of leaders of the University of Missouri, the interim system president, the provost, and some vice chancellors. Wilson says Dr. Martin Luther King fought for equal access to opportunity in the 50s and 60s. And then in the 80s and 90s, the focus of these kinds of efforts moved to the issue of diversity. If diversity is about what you can see in the room, inclusion is about who actually gets to speak. Who got to set up the program? Who got to set up the agenda? Who gets listened to? Now, he says, the focus must be on inclusion and equity. Equity will have outcomes. And I, I, I walk this progression from access to opportunity to diversity to inclusion to equity because equity is required for reconciliation. We can't have equal relationship as long as I'm a second-class citizen. You want reconciliation? Let's get some of this stuff right. The event runs longer than planned, and afterward, many people stay and visit. DMU leaders, though, head straight for the doors. They're late for meetings in Jefferson City and back on campus. They have a lot of work to do. One of them is Chuck Henson. As a black man, he says the progression Wilson talked about rings true for him. And it's especially relevant to him now. Three of the four steps are right there in Henson's title. Yes, that is the name of the division, Division of Inclusion, Diversity, and Equity, uh, Vice Chancellor of Inclusion, Diversity, and Equity. 
That vice chancellor position was created the same day President Tim Wolf and Chancellor Arbo and Lofton resigned in November. Henson, an associate dean in the MU Law School, was appointed to the new position on an interim basis the next day. We are at the point of talking about the truth. We're beginning that conversation. One of Henson's first tasks was setting up a new mandatory diversity training for incoming students. Hello. Hello. Give your ID. Thanks. Students start filing into an auditorium in one of the student centers. This is the third and final session. Students just need to attend one. Since it's the spring semester, it's a smaller group, about 60 students. Many of them are transfer or international exchange students. It's clear why the students are here. I don't know anything about it. I just know I have to go to it. <laughs> I signed up. I actually forgot. And like 30 minutes ago, I was like, oh my god, I have to do this. So I like ran here, but... I just assumed that it was what everybody had to do, I guess. Yeah. I just figured they were doing it to make up because stupid stuff happened. Because they're trying to make everyone do it now, which I guess is fine, but... <laughs> That's what I figured. I figured it was just because of last semester. I think they figure that we need to have a little bit more of an education so we're not ignorant or don't know what's going on in the lives of other students. Grant Durham is one of the students filing into the auditorium. He's white, from suburban Kansas City. He shows up in a blue dress shirt with a matching blue bow tie. I don't know much. All I know is that uh, the intentions of this uh, program are to spread like diversity and uh, acceptance and uh, awareness. Do you think this is worth your time? Uh, I do think it's worth my time because I think it's important for uh, students at the University of Missouri to um, have a a good sense of uh, home here. And are you familiar with some of the stuff that happened here last semester? And, and what do you think about what happened here last semester? Um, I think I don't. I didn't. I'm not fully educated on the subject, but from what I've heard, I think that it's uh, it's a little bit ridiculous that people uh, people threw such a fit about it. But uh, what do you mean fit, fit about what? Uh, didn't wasn't there like some uh, students who thought? Actually, I'm sorry. I don't know enough. About no, that's okay. That's okay. Malcolm Edwards is another student here. He's black from the city of St. Louis. He's in a red hoodie and brown leather jacket. He sits down a couple rows behind Grant. Yeah, it's important, yeah. Why? Um, like, some people just don't know, like, what happens, so... What do you mean by that? What happens? Uh, like, you know, I could go through something different than you do every day, you know, so... Basically like that. Like everybody has a different type of story, something could happen to them, something may not happen to them, happens to other people, who knows. They both say they have friends of the opposite race and have conversations about race with them. Someone who's not of my race, it's kind of, I mean, normally when you're talking to someone of the same race, I mean, you don't like say bad things about other, other races, but just like kind of in your head, you know that. Just to, be, just to watch out for that and not, like, say something dumb. Uh, if it's a joke and, like, you know, but they're, it's not right to say that. Like, if I talk to somebody of my race, they're, like, more, mo more most of the time, just, like, when we talk about it, they probably get angry halfway through or something, like something happened to them. And when I talk to somebody from a different race, they just don't see it from, like, our point of view, I guess. It's just, like, they don't see it, so, like, I understand it, though, so, because, you know, like, they haven't seen it, and, like, it doesn't hurt them, so, like, they... I don't want to say they don't care, but, like, they don't care, basically, yeah. It isn't until I finish talking to them that I notice Grant and Malcolm are literally both wearing the exact same brown boat shoes. Excellent. 
This mandatory training has been branded as a diversity orientation program. There are eight professors in the front of the room, all from different disciplines. They're of a variety of races and backgrounds. They open with a loose discussion and try their best to get students to engage. Later, each of the professors gives a short presentation related to their field. Most of them have some relevance to the issues of diversity. One professor talks about people appropriating other cultures, like the example of a fraternity holding a Mexican-themed party where members showed up dressed like lawn care workers. One talks about his research into why Serena Williams makes far less money each year than Maria Sharapova, despite the fact that Williams, a black woman, is a consistently better tennis player than Sharapova, who is white. There's even a section on comic books from English professor Andrew Hoberic. 2014, when Marvel Comics um, publishes Ms. Marvel and sort of proves that there's a kind of uh, a younger female audience, and it's not the case. Along the way, the professors all try to engage. Sometimes they get bites, other times it's crickets. The lectures are about race, but mostly informational, occasionally instructional. Education professor Antonio Castro asks students to stretch. Building your own experiences with diversity. That means getting involved in student organizations, getting involved in service learning and study abroad opportunities and activities, but most of all, being willing to embrace the, the possibility to stretch yourself. That means putting yourself in situations that move you to think differently. Toward the end, a few students share their stories. One about being biracial but not looking it. Another about what it was like to be friends with a gay student in a small town. After about two hours, it's done. Malcolm, the black student in boat shoes, was sitting right next to the door, and he's the first student out. Grant, the white student in boat shoes, walks right out behind Malcolm. Neither talk to any other students as they leave. Here's Malcolm. Like, yeah, I don't think it'll go anywhere from, like, here. It's just, like, they just, you know, trying to get people to understand, I guess. But, like, like when you're out in the real world, who knows what's going to happen. So, like, it may, it may not be fixed, but... I mean, who knows, though? There will be other discussions on campus focused on race this semester, but Grant says he's not sure if he'll have time for those. I'm pledging a fraternity right now, so I'm pretty busy with that and keeping up with schoolwork, but I mean, I think it's a good program, and if I, if I had the time and I was open, then yeah, I would. A handful of students do stay afterward to talk with the professors or with other students. Stephanie Shanakan is the professor who ran the event. She's a professor of ethnomusicology and black studies at MU. She says training isn't the way to think about what they're trying to do here. That we didn't want to be teaching at them, that we wanted them to, to know that, um, that this was to be a conversation, so that in that conversation we can get to know each other. Um, they can see that in classrooms there is conversation, there is interaction. So in a lot of ways we were trying to model what many of us do in class. She says they purposefully chose the title Diversity at Mizzou, A Taste of Things to Come. Our, our real hope is that they become intrigued. Um, I, I keep using the word teased, you know, like, like we're, we're just teasing them and we want them to go out there and really explore. How much can we change? Tremendous. <laughs> we all can. We all can. Um, there is room for change on every level, from administration to students to faculty to staff. We all don't know everything. We all... Um, we're all growing, um, and that's what culture is. Culture evolves, and as a, as a culture here at Mizzou, um, that's evolving too, and that's a, that's a great thing. Culture doesn't change. Culture evolves. So it's going to take quite some time 
for some of the things that we all desire to occur, but we're getting started. From his new office in Jesse Hall, Chuck Henson knows his job is a tall order, and he's still shaping it. It's only an interim post for him. Three finalists are currently interviewing for the full-time job. He's not one of them. Henson says just in the last few weeks, student groups for Asian students and Jewish students have reached out to him, trying to figure out how they can utilize this new office. But the events of last semester have created an urgent need to discuss the experience of black students on campus. Henson says to start finding a way forward, he looked back to the list of demands concerned student 1950 made of administrators last semester. And I could see three areas. One, how do we, how do we treat each other? Two, what do we know? What are the facts? What should we know? And the third one was, who's here? One of the first concrete things Henson did was work with the State Historical Society to create an 18-month lecture series on the black experience in Missouri. And the decades that followed the war, beliefs about... The first one was held this month, where a speaker talked about the history of slavery in Missouri to a packed crowd in an auditorium on campus. Their memories of slavery and the Civil War were complicated by the often personal and vicious nature of the experience of war in a border state where residents fought on both sides of the conflict. It's not the first time administrators have tried this kind of thing. Far from it. Some recent examples? The Chancellor's Diversity Initiative was created in 2004 to try to address some of these same issues. That initiative still exists, but now it will report to Henson's office. The university and students also created an initiative in 2011 called One Mizzou, following two high-profile racist incidents on campus in the two years prior. Then-Chancellor Brady Deaton called One Mizzou his proudest achievement as chancellor. One Mizzou was a statement by the, by the students. We are one in our attempts to improve ourselves as a people, as a student body, as a community. And we will work together to achieve that. We are not going to allow one incident, little incident, or another incident to break up the fundamental issues here that drive sort of the human spirit up and embrace uh, the common efforts that we have to build a better community. But the students who helped create it graduated. Deaton retired in 2013. And by 2015, that initiative had completely dissolved. And instead, One Mizzou was used as a promotional slogan. Well, I think we, we learned that, that we have to maintain an ongoing dialogue about important issues, staying engaged, uh, demonstrating respect for all segments of the community. There is no alternative to that. But there's another big challenge here. Many students, quite simply, don't know how to have these conversations in the first place, so they're hesitant to engage. Beyond the diversity training, there's a push to equip students to be prepared for these conversations. The Chancellor's Diversity Initiative has been distributing literature with titles like How to Talk About Race. There are also diversity peer educators on campus who will meet with any group that will have them. Alana Diggs is one of those educators. It's really hard to come into a space for only an hour and to kind of drop a bomb on someone, like everything that you've learned in society was maybe not what you thought it was. These peer educators run through exercises to try to get participants thinking about both racial and cultural differences. We read a series of statements and you take a step forward or backward depending on if the statement applies to you. For example, if you grew up with 50 books in your house, take a step forward. Those are the advantages that society might have given you. And eventually you get to see the difference um, and where people are standing by the end of the facilitation. And it's a good way to use physical space to see how much of there are disadvantages and advantages in our society. 
Diversity peer educators have been on campus since 1997, but the group says it facilitated more discussions on campus last year than ever before. Diggs says in the past it's been a pretty unstructured program, but with increased demand, they're starting to make things more formal, adding new videos and exercises. Some of the things that are that make facilitating a little bit difficult are the people that don't want to learn, or the people that are just arguing just to argue, and that's not conducive to, to a learning environment. But one of the things that I've learned from being a DPE is that it is very important to remember that all we can do as facilitators and all we can do as people that are trying to cha make change in our society is to plant a seed. Chuck Henson says this is where things can get difficult, but it's important to push through. I don't anticipate any of the exchange to be counterproductive. At times, one becomes impassioned because there are feelings involved. And everyone's voice has a place. Remember this part of Reverend Starsky Wilson's speech at that MLK event? The diversity is about what you can see in the room. Inclusion is about who actually gets to speak. Who got to set up the program? Who got to set up the agenda? Who gets listened to? About three weeks after Chuck Henson and other university leaders sat and listened to Wilson, the UN Board of Curators held its next regular meeting. On the first day of the meeting, members of Concerned Student 1950 interrupted to reread the list of demands the group made during demonstrations last semester. Board member David Steelman responded by saying he didn't consider it a disruption and was glad to hear their voices. Not everyone agreed with Steelman, though. The next week, State Representative Donna Lichtenegger, the chair of the House Appropriations Higher Education Committee, announced they are moving forward with a plan to give every state college and university in the state a 2% increase in funding from last year, except for the University of Missouri system. She said it was in response to the events last semester, and because MU hadn't fired communications professor Melissa Click yet for her actions during the student demonstrations. But Lichtenegger also said that for her, the last straw was when the curators didn't shut down the protest by 1950 at this meeting. But back to that curators meeting. The day after the 1950 interruption, the board opened its second day in an unusual way. Here's board chair Pam Hendrickson making the introduction. I believe that if we can all demonstrate respect for each other at a minimum and actually feel respect for each other is the ideal, issues of bias will be diminished. I am of the opinion that often offense is taken when none is intended. So how do we learn what other people find disrespectful and how do we communicate in a polite and respectful way that we feel disrespected by the words or actions of another? I've asked Chuck Henson, Chief Diversity Officer for the MU campus, to put together a panel discussion to address these questions and to open our eyes to making all of our interactions more positive. It was a four-person panel, two grad students, two undergrads, three of them black, one white. They had an audience of the curators, interim system president, interim chancellor, and a variety of other leaders. The students used some of their time to make suggestions. Here's Tim Love. It would behoove the interim chancellor and the board of curators to immediately create a diversity task force, similar to the GSC tax task force that led to the immediate increase of graduate stipends. This research-based action group will address the underrepresentation of marginalized groups among faculty, graduate students, and undergrads. They also use some of their time to air grievances. Here's Kelsia Barnes. 
So what does respect look like when it comes to the board of curators? Respect looks like not just having cisgendered majority faces sitting and staring back at me in shock that I'm saying all of this at 10 a.m. in the morning. That's not respect. Respect isn't having to go through Jeff City and understand that the real power isn't here, but it's in the majority, supermajority that runs Jeff City. As long as the board of curators prioritizes profits and wealth over and above academics, there can never be a culture of respect. As long as students are viewed as commodities or sources of revenue, serious measures to solidify unity will never be taken. Ultimately, these students were given time that students haven't had with this audience in the past to discuss these kinds of issues. Here's Jasmine Morgan. This is, this is a constant problem that's happening. It's not just something that just all of a sudden just happened, which I think a lot of people thought. It was because for a long time we all kept silent and we got to the point now where we're like, we need you to listen. And I'm happy that we're here to have this conversation and dialogue and that we can move on from here and continue to have this conversation. Let's not make this a thing that just happened now and then a few months down the road, let's revisit what just happened. After about a half hour of statements, the curators asked some questions. There was some back and forth about the way diversity courses should be handled and about the board's actions so far and the way forward. In the end, curators and students found some common ground. What I hear you all saying is that process is important, but when process gets in the way of action, we either need to work on that process or we need to do what it takes to get the action. That's a good, that's a very good way of putting it. Great summer. When, when process gets in the way of action. Yeah, I love that. Absolutely. Chuck Henson says steps like these are important and appropriate. And it's a different thing than, than what I think some have viewed as the, the students running the university. The students aren't running the university. Um, we are addressing their concerns. Um, and that's, that's what ought to be expected of us, I think. Of course, there are many other efforts, too. Interim System President Mike Middleton says there will be money diverted to efforts to hire more black faculty members. Henson will set up new weekly meetings with student leaders. There are some other big efforts, and departments across campus are initiating their own smaller efforts toward creating dialogue. And while this is often difficult and sometimes controversial, Henson believes it's the way forward. I haven't yet heard anyone say, I don't want to become a better community. I don't want to become a more respectful community. I don't want to become a more diverse community. I don't want a more inclusive community. So I take from that void of denial a message. With producer Gamel Sabingo, I'm Ryan Famuliner. Special thanks to Rodney Davis, Ryan Levy, and Emerald O'Brien for their production assistance. That's it for our three-part series, Mizzou at a Crossroads. To hear all three parts, visit kbia.org.